Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. In this episode, I speak with two co-founders who run a sales development agency for tech companies that have enterprise offerings and long sales cycles. These two take an extremely thoughtful approach and go incredibly deep into their breakdown of how they get the attention of higher level prospects in large organizations to get them on sales calls. If you enjoy detailed episodes, you'll enjoy this interview because these two founders have one of the most detailed thoughtful approaches to their sales process that I've ever seen. Stay tuned till the very end. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome Welcome to to Outbound Outbound Metrics. Raj and Sood are co-founders of InsightCraft. InsightCraft is a global sales as a service company. Both founders have been individual sales contributors for several businesses. With over 30 years of combined experience, Raj and Sood know what it takes to drive revenue with direct B2B sales. Raj and Sood, are you both ready to dive in? Absolutely. Really kicked to be on this call with you, Morgan. Awesome. Likewise. So first off, how does your company get results? We sell on behalf of B2B product companies. InsightCraft takes care of the entire sales cycle, right from identifying leads, uh, you know, doing reach outs, conducting demos, right up to, to getting the customer assigned. Awesome. So kind of full cycle there from prospect to Correct. close. Awesome. Correct. What would you say makes InsightCraft unique against other sales and service companies? So both me and Sue, we have been through the trenches. We have a combining work experience of over 30 years and we've sold a variety of B2B product and technologies globally for multiple companies before we actually started this on our own. And um, we combined our knowledge and our experience of the sales process along with uh, cutting-edge technologies which are out there to make sure we get that uh, results, measurable results for our clients. Awesome. I love it. Nothing beats, you know, that direct experience talking to customers, hand-to-hand combat, right? Um, Is your service productized pricing or custom pricing? Uh, It's custom. So depends on a lot of factors. We handle a wide range of product companies and several factors such as you know your average deal size your sales cycle your estimated sales velocity 
you know, the maturity of your product, the competitive landscape, all this goes into calculating how much time, effort, and costs is going to be involved. And we spent some time going through all of this and creating the model before we actually create a proposal for our customer. Awesome. Awesome. In addition, Morgan, um, yeah. there is a structure though. We have a setup fee, we have a, a retainer that we charge, and then we have a commission at the end. I mean, based on the successes that we are able to do for our customers. And the reason we break it down in, in that particular format is makes it easier for businesses to, to engage us. And it's, it's not uh, a restrictive uh, model to begin with. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. In case someone's listening who is at a company who may be a good fit, who is your ideal customer that you guys work with? Yeah, our ideal customer would be a B2B product company. And we would recommend an average deal size, a B2B product company with an average deal size of at least uh, 15,000 USD and with a global audience. Awesome. I love the specifics. That's great. So for the case study example we're going to be looking at today, what industry <laughs> is this client in that we're talking about? Today? Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about a B2B SaaS uh, company. Uh, someone who's selling uh, B2B SaaS technology into the mid-market and the enterprise space. Awesome. What problem do they solve? This company would be impacting the spend on energy bills. They would be impacting the spend on IT governance, and they would be uh, impacting productivity through their SaaS solution. Got you. Okay. So I'm not too familiar with this energy space. Who would be their ideal customer and like what type of product would they sell them? Sure, sure. So the customer we're talking about here as a use case is a customer who has a multi-patented AI-based SaaS software for endpoints, for data centers, and for buildings. So essentially what the product does, it basically reduces the energy con consumption on workstations, right. whether it's on-site or remote, right? And the customers for this particular client would be anyone who would have a lot of endpoints or computers running either on site or remotely. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. You mentioned like data centers, I imagine maybe even like universities, like a lot of businesses with big footprints, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You can easily include, let's say, BPOs. You can talk about insurance companies. You can talk about large banks. You can talk about large hospital chains. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, that leads right into my next question, right? Who are you prospecting? So we're talking banks, insurance companies, people with like kind of large decentralized um, operations. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, the people within these organizations will be most receptive to an offering like this are the individuals which are, who are connected to sustainability initiatives, um, individuals who are connected to OPEX and CAPEX expenditures, which means we're talking about CFOs, we're talking about even CISOs, or we're talking about the site directors, the country managers of these companies. Gotcha. And can you explain OPEX and CAPEX briefly? Sure. So OPEX is something which, which is operating expense, which is like uh, an expense which uh, happens on an ongoing basis and something that you budgeted on, on a year-to-year -year basis. CAPEX is your capital expenditure, is something which is a, like a long-term expenditure. So if you open up shop, you know, getting a place where your employees come in and work is like a capital expenditure. It's a long-term expense. This product, the AI-based energy management and smart automation platform uh, reduces the wear and tear of batteries and hardware because it reduces the amount of processes that run during idle time. So, you know, that directly impacts their 
need to repurchase hardware, primarily computers. I think the primary benefit is the energy savings, right? And, uh, and so let's say that you have a lot of uh, workstations in, in that particular facility that we're talking about. And these uh, workstations are running, let's say, 8 to 10 hours a day. Regardless of whatever activity is happening on those workstations, it's consuming energy, right? Right. This product, what it does is it, it smartly optimizes, you know, what are the processes that are like mission critical to that particular workstation to function. And let's say right now we're talking on a Zoom call. That's the only service that we need uh, and nothing right. else. Right? I, I don't need to use my printer at this point in time. And those services would be kept on something that they call active standby. That leads to reduced amount of energy consumption. And that leads to anywhere from 30 to 50% savings on energy. Now, if you put wow. it to scale, that's a massive reduction. Sure. In energy, yeah. Right. And because you are, you're now using your product, your workstations, systems, equipments, uh, lesser, or they're running more, more greener in a way. Mm. Uh, it leads to the increased lifetime of that system as well. So there are a lot of, I think, benefits from a sustainability standpoint, uh, greenhouse uh, gas emissions, you know, all of that goes down. Your contribution to a greener environment is, is also taken care of. All of that appeals to organizations who, who want to drive a sustainable workspace initiative, you know, and, and in addition to obviously saving on the costs, direct costs. Awesome. Awesome. So this software is going to reduce those you know, daily operational expenses by switching between um, different uh, mission critical uh, services. And then you're going to save money in the long run because this uh, hardware is not going to get worn down so much because it's, you know, it's not going to expend as much energy. And you are targeting people who have their finger on the pulse of the bottom line, right? You mentioned like CFOs, CIOs, they're, they're looking for cost savings. So I see, I definitely see the benefit here, 100%. Is this, yeah. are there... Yeah similar products on the market or um, like kind of positioned? I just wanted to add some stats there, guys. Sure. So this product has been currently deployed over 6 million endpoints. It has been deployed in over 26,000 plus offices worldwide. Most importantly, it has saved around 1,800 gigawatt of energy and around 800 metric tons of emission globally. They've got like five patents globally. And, and, you know, out of all the products and services that we sell, we especially get a kick out of selling products which generate employment, uh, you know, and contribute to the environment. And uh, this kind of stands out. Uh, no, no, that's, uh, that's an important you know, point to be mentioned because all of these are, 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 you know, like a, like a big contribution to the, to, the, to the environment. So, yeah, so it, with regards to, to competition, I mean, there are products today who help you manage energy consumption but this product does it for you that's the benefit gotcha. because uh the ai is patented five patents like raj said and two pending so so about seven in total and in addition to the the energy component there is a whole suite of it management capabilities that is built into the product so so if you're looking at using it for the energy savings, yes, but you get a lot of other things in in addition. So you know, it's a it's a no brainer at the end of the day that you know you you, you don't have to use multiple tools from an IT management standpoint, like service desk and stuff like that. And you have uh, remote monitoring, license management, batch management, stuff like that baked in into uh, the solution. So it's it's like a one stop suite for those IT teams 
who look at, I mean, who can benefit from cost as well as, you know, use just one, one product for multiple things. Absolutely. I know when you mentioned like, it doesn't just tell you what to do, it does it for you. That immediately rung a bell in my head because uh, when I used to work in cybersecurity, CIOs, CISOs, technology managers, what would say, okay, you know, all these different things can tell us, can alert us about a threat, but we need something that actually takes action, right? So I know that's a big step is a tool that actually takes action for you and does the work. I can see that being a massive selling point. And plus the scale, over 6 million endpoints, 26,000 plus offices. Like, I'm sure that these people you're selling to want to make sure that like, okay, can this product work at my scale? I don't want it going down or anything like that. Yeah. People have a night, 3 a.m., you know, wake up calls about everything's down. So awesome. Uh, yeah, the biggest installation they have over single customer or single organization is I think about half a uh, quarter million at, uh, workstations across a country. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Great background. Thank you for that context. So we know what we have. We know who we are uh, targeting. How are you guys at a high level? What do these touch points look like for this campaign? And then we'll kind of dive in. Sure. Which one? Sure. So we do a multi-channel outreach. We, we usually start off with LinkedIn with a very targeted uh, reach out on LinkedIn. So one of the advantages of LinkedIn is LinkedIn really tells you who the promoters are and who are the people who are most engaged, you know, based on their post and their activity. And LinkedIn also has a zero bounce and a you know 100% delivery rate. So sure. we start off our warm out with LinkedIn, and then we move those warm conversations over to an official email and phone call cadence. Gotcha. So starting with LinkedIn, you're building your list with Sales Navigator, I assume. Yes. Yes. There's there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut around this. Yes. You you do have to use. Uh, you have to start with Sales Navigator. Is there anything you're doing with Sales Navigator that? Um, I mean, you're or tell me about that process. You're selecting filters. You mentioned you're going after people who are more active. So I assume you're narrowing it down further to people who have posted before or posted recently. How are you getting yeah. those active people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. And that's that's what we ourselves are a bit active on LinkedIn. And uh, yes, so we do use technology, which basically tell us uh, which are the profiles which are important based on whether they, how active they're on LinkedIn. We use some technology to kind of find out which profiles are the most active. Then we do use LinkedIn Sales Navigator to kind of figure out what are the recent posts, activities, keywords that they're posting for. To be told, we were tempted in the beginning to use uh, some sort of automation to do our reach out, but it doesn't really work, especially if you're doing like mid-marketing enterprise. It's always going to be kind of a one-on-one approach. Uh, it's painful, but it's more effective uh, instead of a kind of a spray and a free approach where you have an automated reach out going on LinkedIn. So yes, we use those insights, plus we use uh, some technology which scrapes on uh, what they've been posting online, what companies have been talking about. So there's one company, for instance, uh, which is in the BPO space, which has like more than 40,000 employees. So these guys have been posting a lot about return to work, right? Mm-hmm. And we pick up that signal, not just from LinkedIn, from, from different social media forums and whatever is available on the website. And then we build our messaging around that return to work policy and initiative. So the higher level executives kind of resonate more because that's kind of more top-down. And even if you're talking to mid-level executives, you know, they resonate with what they're hearing from their higher-ups day in and day out. So kind of try to work it out. Gotcha. So you're, you're looking for intent and looking for, you know, something relevant to using your outreach. 
by scraping the yes. information. Yes. So sorry if I did not complete that answer. So yes, one is what is the company working on? And the other a factor is what are the KPIs for the person that you're reaching out to? So an important part of our sales process is to figure out not just the IT customer profile, but also the personas involved. It's not easy always. Sometimes these things evolve. And you start discovering that the personas as you go and get into these active conversations, not everything is defined upfront. But when you talk to people about something which their company is talking about, and you talk to them about stuff where, which is related to the KPIs, they have a tendency to respond better sure. than a novel outreach. Absolutely. That's where their mind is, right? That's where their attention yeah. is. Real quick on the technology, what do you use to find out who's most active? What tech piece of technology is that? Uh, Navigator already gives you those insights. Okay, uh, cool. We use some JPR stuff and some stuff that Suda's built to make sure that all of this is exported out and we can kind of sort them and we can retarget them based on that. Gotcha. Uh, so you, LinkedIn itself is good enough. Gotcha. So you're using that, the, um, that filtering on LinkedIn or that activity Correct. info and then using Zapier to pull that out. Cool. Right. And what technology do you use with people that scrapes what people have been posting? Yeah, we run a custom script on uh, based on the, if you go to, let's say, someone's profile and then you can you want to check out the activity and then gotcha. you, you want to see what the, what the latest uh, discussions or posts or engagements that they have, uh, they have been doing and, and go from there. It's a gotcha. custom script. It's not very difficult to build if someone's interested. It's, uh, it's something that you can build based on that, that logic and then uh, pull it out. Uh, awesome. It does involve a lot of shifting through after, <laughs> afterwards. Sure. Um, it gives you a general idea about the keywords. Are you putting that into like a Google sheet or some sort of? Um, later, yes. Like we would have these CSVs of, of, of data and then based on those, so we have certain keywords that we're, we're looking for, for from let's say sustainability uh, set of things or a green environment, you know, things like that. And then we, we map it, we come up with the profiles who have those keywords and, and uh, then we put them out for the SDRs to kind of focus on on those accounts. I love that. I love that you're aggregating this data, sifting through it, and using that for relevant messaging. Because most people aren't going to go through that. So a lot of their outreach is going to look the same as everyone else's. But you guys are actually taking those extra steps to really narrow down this big block of data into something the actionable stuff you guys can use. So I, I love that. That's great. This is public info, right? So you, right. if you go to someone's profile, you get to see that. It becomes very difficult for a single person to kind of scroll through 100 profiles and do that. So that's where we try to make things a little bit easier from a process standpoint and, and yeah, just uh, look at the things that, that are important enough. Awesome. You're on LinkedIn. You've got the information that you need. Um, that you pull from the profiles and you like have built your list, you, it's given to your SDRs. What are they saying when they reach out on LinkedIn? Yeah, so that messaging depends upon, one is the information, and then you have different segments based on who we are reaching out to. The messaging that goes out to a CFO, the first segregation is based on which industry, of course. So when you're going out to a BPO versus a BFSI or, or a bank, the value proposition for this product that you spoke about uh, is different for a bank uh, versus a BPO. Gotcha. So the first segregation is done that. Second segregation is whether that's a SMB or a mid-size or an enterprise BPO, because the priorities for these different types of companies are different. Sure. And then the next tier of segregation is on 
who are you talking to? The CFO is going to care about stuff, which is more financial in nature. Uh, the, the CIO is going to care about stuff, which is more related to your IT health days. Country manager is going to care about, I'm talking about a BPO, country manager is going to care about stuff, uh, which is more related to productivity. Well, what is this remote team doing? Right. So the next step here, we also solution partners for HubSpot. And HubSpot comes in extremely handy when it comes to creating uh, playbooks and snippets. So we have different playbooks based on what our reps should be talking about, what are the FAQs, what are the objections, and what kind of rebuttals uh, should be there for these different personas. Gotcha. I'm not familiar with that HubSpot program. What is that? Right. So HubSpot, we are solution providers for HubSpot, which basically means if there's someone who's using HubSpot or who wants to use HubSpot, not only can we facilitate them purchasing HubSpot, but we can actually set them up. We can get them up and running. So HubSpot has these different different modules. There's a sales module, there's a marketing module, and there's a CMS module for somebody who's interested in building websites and landing pages of HubSpot. So as a solution provider, we are certified by HubSpot to get somebody up and running and train them on the HubSpot workflow and, and the way of uh, you know working with HubSpot. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So you're really getting into the nitty gritty, breaking things down on this first message with industry, uh, company size and persona. Do you have like a, I don't know, formula for that first message or is it just kind of combining, I guess you have this playbooks and scripts or yeah. that people can yeah. play off of. Okay. That's a great question. That's a great question. So usually the first message is, is very primal. So the people react to humor or, or criticism or something shocking the most, right? So mm. uh, the best way to take when it comes to a cold audience is you start off with praise and uh, praise does work off. So since we're working in the midsize and the enterprise segments, so these guys are usually into a lot of activities. They're doing a, running a lot of initiatives around, around employee empowerment, deploy engagement, and all this information is available online. And then you start off with praising them for this initiative. You said, you met someone or you came across this and you really liked it. And that leads to a pretty strong open ratio. So our first outbound message, cold outbound message, has a pretty strong open rate compared to what we've seen in the past. And that's on the connect message, or are you doing a generic connect and then doing that praise messages after you connect? When we talk about our cadence, if you're starting off with LinkedIn, our usual LinkedIn connect. So if you're connecting with someone with LinkedIn is we would establish some mutual connection with that person, either in the area that they're operating in or within the number of connections that we share in mutual, or maybe a post that they shared, or maybe even an idea that they shared. And we would go ahead and send them the first connection request with a little snippet, which talks, which refers to either any of these things, right? So there's something that they react okay. to. And then we would probably go in and we would look at the recent activity that they have done and we would endorse them for something or like one of their posts or comment on something which they have done recently, which uh, resonates with what we want to talk about, we want to position. And then we start with our uh, with our pitch. That, that's for LinkedIn. So gotcha. whenever there are cases where we need to, there are cases where it's not always 100% LinkedIn. So it's sometimes, you know, people have closed profiles, they do not allow you to. So in those cases, or maybe somebody has a lot of connections and you cannot connect with someone because, you know, you reach that 30%, 30,000 connections, right? So right. in cases where we need to start off with an email introduction first, that's where we start off with something which is very concise, talks about an activity which their company or their department has been talking about. So either we start off with 
a suggestion or we start off with, with grace. Okay. So now after that, where do we go from there in the process? The first touch, so usually there's an open. So normally what we've seen is, so for a regular, for a, for a normal cadence, which is spread across, let's say four touch points or email uh, over a period of, let's say 10 to 12 business days, the, by the third touch, you usually see the result from the particular campaign, right? Now, let's assume that you've sent the first email and somebody's opened up. The second email cadence is going to go out with something which is actionable. So instead of just sending a regular follow-up saying, hey, no, I sent you the email, when are you going to respond? We send out an email saying, hey, you know what, by the way, I realized that you probably didn't get time for my last email. I found this, which this other company is doing, and might be something that you might be interested in looking at. There are three things that we did in BPO or in ITAS, and I just wanted to share something with you. So we have these documents, which food rates and uh, which are kind of information related to industries or different departments in these target companies that we try to reach out to, and we kind of send it to them. So every time we send an email, we try to send something of value to them. Gotcha. Um, so even if they don't, they don't respond to us, at least they remember us as somebody who's sending something of value. Gotcha. And you said you create these like custom docs by industry and send them to people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So one thing, for, for example, is, again, if I may take the opportunity here, one thing that we did is, again, the same example. We're sending this AI-based uh, energy management platform for healthcare. So mm-hmm. when we went out and we spoke to these SMB hospital change, uh, chains, instead of talking about, hey, you know what? This is an AI-based uh, power management tool. It's going to save you cost and batteries. We took a different angle. We discovered that, okay, you know what? Banks can actually give very preferential lending rates or finance rates to those hospitals who are themselves running sustainability programs. So that, mm. you know, so when you reach out to an SMB uh, hospital chain and you tell them that, you know what? Hey, you know what? Banks, and this is how it works, right? The banks who are running sustainability programs themselves are given benefits by the governments, by any government that world out there. And then these banks can pass on the benefits to these hospitals because they're running sustainability programs. So now it, the discussion becomes more compelling because Absolutely. it's not about buying a piece of software. Absolutely. And I just want to point out that you guys are, since you're, you're going so deep in their industries, you're really able to pull out massive amount of value and put it in your messaging. So I just want to highlight that because it seems like with everything you guys are doing, you're going very deep into it and putting a lot of care and attention into your process and this product that you're helping sell and your prospects, you know, industries and really breaking it down. And it's very interesting what you guys are doing for sure. Morgan, just to add to that. So I mentioned earlier about how our pricing structure looks like, right? There is a Mm -hmm. set of that we uh, ask for. The beginning, we take about two weeks and this is pure research. Um, Mm. We don't build that up front even. I mean, during this period, we are essentially understanding what the product does, the industry, what levers we have, what personas, the ICPs, and what are the trends that we can piggyback on. Mm. This is super critical because, I mean, obviously our messaging is going to evolve, but this gives us a foundation to stand on. And then when we're talking, we're, we're not I mean, trying to do this like shoot from the hip and kind of thing. It's, it's more uh, planned in, in that sense. 
Sure, sure. And people at those uh, senior leadership levels, they want to stay on top of trends. Exactly. They want to know what's going exactly. on. So they definitely appreciate when they you know get some good information like that. So I can definitely see that clicking in someone's mind. That hospital example was great. I can definitely see that getting someone's wheels turning. The part in the initial email, you're sending something of value too, right? Before you get into that actionable email. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, we're trying to shift to videos just to kind of a parting share for our audience here. It's very easy. You kind of convey your story instead of a long PDF. We're trying out ways where we can actually, actually have got leads through our video post. So anybody out there who's listening to this, I would highly recommend experimenting with, uh, you know, sending out your outreach uh, instead of having a long document, probably putting that into a very short, like, you know, one, two minute compelling video. Mm-hmm. Um, that really works well. Mm, okay. Basically, instead of text, you're sending out videos and your outreach that explains uh, different things. Yeah, we would send a very short presentation deck because what happens is especially because we're dealing with these senior level people. So usually it's not one person, it's a team taking care of this decision. So there has to be a deck anyways, because, you know, it's going to go around mm-hmm. the organization. So we have the deck. And then for easy recall, we have a like a one or two minutes with you. Uh, which can kind of really quickly explain to a senior individual what we are actually trying to pitch. Yeah, and it's it's easier to socialize within the organization too, right? You can say, right. hey, hey, check out this video. You know what I mean? Right. Um, other people yeah. can send that. Good yeah. stuff. The you get four to twelve emails over seven to ten business days. For each of those emails, are you just pulling some or tugging on a different angle for each one that you found like a compelling point in the industry, a compelling you know, theme in the industry or trend in the industry? Is that how you're kind of uh, doing your messaging throughout your sequence? We may maintain the same problem statement, but we supplement that problem statement with uh, from different angles. So gotcha. if the problem statement is that, you know, every day you are basically you know, losing energy or you're consuming more energy, we keep that problem statement consistent but we support it from different angles. So maybe on one, in one case, it will be a, a recent A to B social proof. The other case will be kind of an ROI doc. The third instance will be how easy it, easy it is. The fourth might be what are the steps involved. We try to stick to the same problem statement, sort of kind of changing the problem statement on the on every email. Gotcha. The, structure, the structure remains the same, regardless of what kind of industry we're talking about. I mean, this, the, the, most of the examples that we share today are, are on the energy conservation solution, but we also do like e-commerce, other SaaS products, various services as well. But yeah, I mean, the structure kind of remains the same, regardless of the industry or the product that we are doing the outreach for. Gotcha. Yeah. So for example, like on the e-commerce side, we deal with a plethora of products, which, so let's take an example here. So we have a product which takes care of, which gives you product recommendations, which basically directly impact your, your card value. Then we have another product which tells you what are your top performing discount coupons, what, what are your top performing customer segments. We have another product which does uh, content enrichment. We have another product which does product discovery, right? Now, these are four different products, but then our problem statement will be, hey, you know, your store is getting customers, but how do you make sure that your products are visible to the customer? So, because that's essentially one central pain point, and they are, all these different products are basically solving this pain point in their own different ways. They specialize in their own different niche, but that's that one single problem statement, right? I have an e-commerce store. 
I have a lot of people coming in. Now I've got people on my store. Now I want them to buy. Now from getting my first my customer into the store to getting them to buy, there are four or five challenges along the way. How do I solve it? So we keep on hitting or talking about the problem statement is then we talk about okay, how I, are we going and adding value to that uh, that customer life cycle from a visitor to to the checkout. Gotcha. You have one theme, but you're telling a story throughout yeah. that theme with taking these different angles. Um, so yeah. I love that. I think I think copy is the most underrated part of you know uh, sales development, right? Actually, what you're putting in messages. It's nice to see you guys um, putting so much thought into it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned phone call. You kind of end things with a phone call. Where does the phone come in, and what does that look like? Um, so the phone comes in wherever there's engagement. So since we have a lot of uh, insights coming in from HubSpot, uh, we are able to kind of track what links people are clicking and how many times they're engaging with our emails and how much time they're spending on different pages. So that gives us an idea about the intent, right? So we don't end up calling somebody who's very top of the funnel. It always starts with an email or something written first. It doesn't start with a cold call. Never starts with a cold call, especially because of the audience that we deal to. Uh, deal with so the phone call always comes after our emails and yeah the first call is about uh discovery and then you know we try to kind of get the person narrowed down on what we need to talk about one of the advantages and the challenges that we face at the same time is because there are so many products and angles that we handle because of the size of the company that we handle it actually takes time for us to scope out what exactly is this person looking for so uh, a cmo of an e-commerce store who's doing a couple of million dollars a month might have 20 different problems to handle with and we might be solving 10 of them but the challenge is like getting him on a 10-minute conversation and being able to figure out those yeah two out of those 10 problems yeah so that's a good thing good thing is that bouquet of products and services we kind of help us uh, tap into the customer conversation with some kind of an actionable but the challenge is you know how to figure it out in that 10 minute or that 15 minutes window Sure, sure. I'm sure a lot of that is taking, depending on how they react and, and what they say, kind of taking things yeah. from there. But since you've done so much upfront research, I'm sure those calls are easier than if someone's just calling out of the blue and more valuable for the other person as well. Yeah, yeah. And Morgan, like I said, this is what I try to explain to founders. So most of our customers are coming through investors. The majority of the clients that we work with are funded companies. Uh, with a handful of companies which are bootstrapped or are not funded. And the trick is to be, I mean, when I try to explain why InsideCraft can be of value to you, is the fact is that understanding all of this between us, three of us, is probably easy, right? We spend sure. a lot of time, we spoke to probably thousands of customers, but being able to do that at scale is where the real challenge lies, right? right. You and me can go into a call, we can, not, we can win over four or five customers, but our clients are not in the business of winning four or five customers. They're in the business of winning those 40, 400 customers. Now, being able to kind of convey that and replicate that thought process and the execution across a team is where the majority of the operational overhead lies. And that's the gotcha. value that you bring to the table for our clients. Gotcha. Makes, makes sense. The example we began with, interested to know the results of this campaign. You know, what things were you guys tracking and, and how did this campaign end up? Sure. So if you take this, for instance, Outbound has an outrageously high uh, open rate. Uh, we had around 68% open on the first first touch point, on the first 
reach out. We've seen around 18.6, like average 19% reply rates. We ended uh-huh. up getting around 13.4, uh, approximately 13.4% meetings. And uh, we've generated, for this product especially, the average deal size for this one is big. Uh, it's around 150,000 USD. Uh, you know, for a campaign where we're reaching out to 50 companies, we would end up generating at least a, a half a million dollar of qualified pipeline. Wow. That's uh, 100, 150K for a year? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You generated this reaching out to 50 companies. That's great. Yeah. So it depends on the funnel and the product. So this product is meant only for clients, uh, for enterprise companies, right? Where we're talking about companies with at least 5,000 gotcha. plus computers, right? So if you look at one company with 5,000 computers, that itself is a pretty, pretty big deal size. So even if you get one client out of 20, that kind of makes your day. Absolutely. It also justifies all the work you put in the front end, right? Because yeah. the deal size is so big. Exactly. Afford exactly. time. Exactly. Uh, we do deal with uh, smaller deal sets, and that's why we like to take up customers with a higher product price, simply because our entire process is more uh, tailored for high-value products. So, you know, when you ask me upfront what your ideal customer profile is, so we would ideally like to take up with a cust- uh, product which is at least uh, fifteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars in order value, because then it makes sense to spend all that upfront research and effort because at the end of the sales cycle a 45 day or 90 day sales cycle if you're able to kind of go ahead and book a 20k 30k deal it's all worth it absolutely and so how many companies did that ended up are comprised in that 500k a pipeline 500k pipeline we have three companies three companies cool cool that's the commit pipeline so another drawback or flip side of enterprises you know they so many levels so yeah, the definition of qualified, yeah. yeah. So it also depends on your definition. So our definition of qualified is where you're actually talking about procurement. Okay, cool. Want to get clarity on one thing real quick. So 68% opens on the first touch point. Those were opens on, are those email numbers? Like once yeah, these are just, email? Yeah, just okay. simple, yeah. yeah so these simple. are all people who have, you've reached out to on LinkedIn and then sent them messages on email and then that's where it comes from on email. Yeah, this, these are basically like campaign uh, campaign rates. So gotcha. These uh, are awesome. So yeah, these are really good. This is great. Yeah, I think it shows how much you know hard work on the front end pays off. Yes, um, yes. So it depends on how what you define as a top of the funnel, right? So if your top of the funnel is extremely wide, then your ratio is gonna look likewise. It's awesome. These are incredible numbers. Really enjoyed just learning about your process. I know I learned a lot. Anyone who's listening, book a strategy session with Raj and Sood at insightcraft.io. At the very least, I'm sure you'll, you'll learn something just like I did today. But these are really sharp guys. Uh, I enjoyed speaking to both of you today and um, interested to see what you guys do in the future. Yeah, great talking to you as well. Thanks for having us, Monique. Awesome. Thanks, guys. What I admire most about Raj and Sood is the incredible amount of thought and detail that they put in on the front end of a client engagement. Doing this allows them to understand their customer's prospect much better, and that leads to better results. Look, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening.